Welcome to Win with Richardson and Richardson. What's important now? Success in business most often comes down to hard work, not by silver bullets and quick fixes. It's knowing where to focus that hard work that's key to winning. Join sales prospecting expert and three-time seven-figure business founder, Carrie Richardson, and managing partner of R&R Consulting and former owner of Doberman Technologies, Ian Richardson, for radical honesty regarding strategic planning, accountability, and execution that will get you the systematic results you're working toward. Let's get into today's episode. Thought leader and your host, Carrie Richardson. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me today on WIN. My name is Carrie Richardson. I am one half of the consulting firm Richardson & Richardson, and today with me is Jameson West, who is a strategic host for ConnectStrat. Jameson has a special place in my heart. Jameson and ConnectStrat were actually our strategic facilitators at Managed Sales Pros. We were one of his first clients, and I like to think one of his best success stories. Thank you for joining us today, Jameson. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure to catch up. In the green room, we got to talk about a couple of things that we had in common. Let's start with our relationship with EO, because you mentioned that you've got a new opportunity on your plate now because of a relationship that you had in EO. We were in EO together in Las Vegas. Tell me a little bit about the new things that you're pursuing and your relationship with your peer group. Yeah, absolutely. I joined EO, it's been about 10 years ago in Seattle. It, I loved it because when I moved to Las Vegas, it was it created a soft landing because I was a yeah, kind of a new bunch of people in my tribe, which was great. And then it's interesting because my time in the formerly HTG, now evolved peer groups was one type of peer group, but EO is a different, very different type of peer group without a vertical focus, not in the IT services industry. But they started to merge when in my current peer group, the one. There's a bunch of us across the whole West Coast that are connected. And I had one of my closest friends and uh, created a company called Doxa and does a lot of outsourcing from the Philippines, but really does it in a much different and better way than anything I've seen. And I've been very involved with outsourcing from India and Philippines for myself and clients for years. And uh, happened to be in the Philippines last fall and flew back sitting next to each other and had a great conversation around how valuable this would be to the IT services community. And since then, I've launched MSP Talent into the in the IT services community, and it's been really fun and successful. And so that's kind of been our latest endeavor in trying to help folks out. So tell us a little bit about your business, ConnectStrat. Obviously, I know a little bit of the backstory, but tell everyone how you ended up becoming a strategic facilitator? Yeah, absolutely. So I owned an IT services company for an MSP in Seattle for about 21 years. I exited it in 2016, and then that's when I relocated to Las Vegas. Since then, just really been heads down trying to help figure out what my next, the second half of my career would look like post MSP owner, like several of us have been there. Maybe familiar with Smileback, helped co-found that, sold that to ConnectWise. Currently one of the three co-founders of, of TimeZest, which is going really well. So started a couple software companies, and that's been a lot of fun. I'm a serial entrepreneur, but 
I've always found that my genius is coaching. I love working with people and I'm not your e-myth entrepreneur. I was never an engineer. Been to business school, University of Washington. I started as an entrepreneur, not as a tech who had to figure it out. Maybe it's an advantage in some ways, but it's different, right? I just have a different perspective. And I've loved being able to kind of leverage that perspective to help. So that working with you right off the bat about five years ago, that's right after I sold and moved to Vegas. And some other close friends that I still work with. Part We all started with the EOS framework, but then when they franchised. We decided to break off and uh, and really focus on creating our own system. We talk about impact, vision, strategy, and execution. EOS is just execution. We wanted to offer a more holistic framework. And so that's what we've been delivering for years. I've got two co-founders and several other coaches. We're really focused on the top of the pyramid, the owner and executive second in command as opposed to digging really deep into operational consulting or sales consulting. We're very much focused on vision and people and the top of the pyramid. I know that our business benefited a great deal working with Jameson. And I love to tell this story, but when Jameson offered to consult with us, I had been of the mindset of, if you were that good at running a business, you'd probably be running one. What are you doing over here telling me how to run mine? Like those who can do. But I knew that Jameson had successfully exited from his business and he was working in the industry where our core customers were. He was a target of ours. He was never a customer of ours, but the company that bought him was a customer of ours. So we eventually got to work with Jameson anyway. It was really important to me that I work with someone where there was a demonstrated track record of, I know how to do this. I know how to get there. I know what you want. And for me, that was enough. And all of my peers in EO had been talking about EOS and how it would benefit businesses. My company president wanted to do EOS and I'd been resistant to the amount of work that it seemed like. But our first year, I think we set some very unrealistic goals. And Jameson was very patient with us while we did that. And we spent that year floundering a little bit. And then by year two, we were able to set realistic goals. And that year, we actually grew our business by 60% after flatlining for three years straight. All I ever wanted was to be on the Inc. 500 list. And I hit like 1.8, 1.8 and a bit more, 1.9. <laughs> and I was like, F this, we're going to try something new. Unfortunately, the pandemic took my ink year from me, but the most exciting part of traction for me was the 600% increase in my bottom line. So yeah, I'm I now own a consulting agency with my partner. I do most of the business development for the agency. He does most of the consulting, but I definitely have a deep-seated love for EOS and the things that it did for me, and obviously for Jameson as a coach as well. I'm married to one. I don't know. <laughs> roll the dice. Pick your favorite. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about the opportunity that you're seeing in the market. Tell me a little bit about why the talent market is so challenging for the MSP space right now. It's interesting. It's not a new problem. I and mean, we've been trying to tackle it for a lot of years. And in my MSP, I, I, was, I, I was leveraging talent out of India through because I was struggling. If you're in the right metropolitan market, you may have exasperated costs associated with getting the right talent pool. There's a lot of competition. We've been from Seattle. I wasn't just competing with other MSPs. I was competing with Microsoft and Amazon. And it, it, you'd get an engineer that kind of 
became worth their salt and they'd come up in your MSP. It was great to see them go move on in their career, but it was also a, a hard loss when you were paying somebody back then 80000 a year and they got a $200,000 a year offer from Amazon. I couldn't exactly compete in my market. But what we've seen now is, and I think the pandemic has really changed the game, is like this acceptance of, I don't need somebody sitting physically next to me when we're, look what we're doing right now. We're doing it over technology. And that's become so much more acceptable, not just for the technology market, but for their clients that all of a sudden folks are wrapping their head around the fact that this is a, to to some extent, a global economy and we can my, my talent doesn't need to be right here. We have extremely strong people around the world. And so being able to leverage that has been, it's been pretty exciting. That's a problem that I've seen across my entire client base, and it's fun to be part of the solution. So. From a, a societal shift standpoint, everybody's leaning towards not returning to the office. There's been a lot of uh, aggressive discussion online. Do you have a preference one way or the other? If you got to pick, would you work in the office or would you work at home? I'd work at home. Um, I'm, I think I'm more effective. I can spend more attention. I don't lose time in a commute. I'm doing, and there's a time and place to be connected with people, right? So time zest, as I'll give you an example. So at time zest, we have, and I spend about a third of my time in the business at time zest right now. In we were a very global company. Vietnam, Poland, Berlin, Mexico, United States, it's all, all over the world. And we got together for two days in person a few months ago and really brought the team together. And that, that keeps us connected from a cultural perspective. And I think that's important. There's a time and a place to connect, but we're extremely effective and efficient. You get a lot of work-life balance and it can be very positive to let people be in their own environment. Now, some people don't do it well and abuse, but I think people are figuring this out culturally. It's just a shift and you can see who sinks or swims. And I also love the concept of I've never enjoyed, I'm paying you to work from eight to nine to five. Yes, you need coverage for certain things in certain places, but it's really, I can have somebody staying in office from nine to five doing nothing. I can have somebody kind of doing work here and there all day long and be 10 times more effective from wherever they're at. So Time and place is less to do with output and quality. So helping people figure out what do we look at that output? What do we need from folks? What are we compensating them for? And it's, you're not paying them just for time. You're paying them to do something. And, uh, and they don't, do they need to be physically here to do it? Depends on the job, I guess. I'm interested in seeing how things change as far as, so for example, we attempted to hire people in different states and the nightmare that ensued from different tax authorities, different like different unemployment claims processes. I personally would never do that again. I don't ever want to run a remote business again. If I'm the only employee, I'm okay with it. But I think that this is why I I think, and, and I couldn't agree more, this is why the advent private employer organizations, PEOs. I used a PEO building my embassy. I got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. The second I had somebody in another state, especially California or whatever, especially some states, but any other state. Now time's asked, it's like, there's a reason why we look at PEOs and do those types of things. 
So that's really important. And then that's why using something like MSP Talent, which we're bringing into the community, principally out of the Philippines, same kind of thing, where they're actually full, it's like a PEO, an international PEO, where they're full-time employees. All of that stuff is handled. So it mitigates the cost, the risk, the taxes, the paperwork. It's simple. Like just keep it simple and have folks do the work. Because I, I agree. I There's a whole, not only is it administrative nightmare, financial nightmare, but the risk is just a pain. I never enjoyed that. I haven't had an employee in Ohio for quarters now, and I am still getting paperwork from the Ohio government. Stop it, Ohio. <laughs> so what happens during a turnover event in something like that? Is is the company that you partner with responsible for replacing the employee? Or Absolutely. would the company have to get involved and interview and go through that whole training process again? Yes and yes. Absolutely. We, DOXA, would, will find the replacement. But it's not an automatic assignment because we do want to make sure there are people. This isn't, we're not going to find somebody with exactly the same skill set. And they're going to likely need training. They're going to likely need some work to get familiarized with the organization. But we're going to find, it's not just skills work that we're looking for. It's personality fit. There's a culture, we use culture index. There's a lot of pieces that come into it to make sure that we get the right person who's going to do the right job. But it's not that we just assign a resource either. We absolutely have a process where it's finding the absolute best candidates, but then we want the client to talk to those last few candidates and and make a decision, right? And make sure that they're comfortable and excited about who they're going to be working with. So it'd just be a repeat of that process, going back to that individual and going back to that role and saying, all right, here, we need to find a replacement. Here's a couple strong candidates. And we'd still have a quick interview process and go through that. Sounds a lot simpler than self-hiring and a lot less expensive than using a recruiter. Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. The recruiters can be quite expensive. The ongoing cost is usually 50 to 70% lower than what you'd pay locally, depending on where you're at. And it's the other thing that's nice about MSP Talent is we're not just bringing technical resources. It's resources across the board. I get excited about it. I have multiple clients, project coordinators. I can't tell you how many MSPs haven't figured out their project management function. And a low-cost project coordinator, instead of using a high-end engineer to do that work, phenomenal return. They pay for their, they become a profit center almost the day they start because you build out pro- project management. So that's a really obvious one. Dispatchers, anybody on the finance team, sales development. There's all kinds of all kinds of roles outside the obvious tier one, tier two, help desk and knock type roles that 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 are that need to be filled. And we get we do a good job in the MSP community of saying, oh, we know what that pyramid, that tier should look like for support. We have five tier one techs, three tier two, and one tier three, whatever. But we don't do a good job of doing that in our sales organization. We don't do a good job of doing that in our accounting organization. We have the most or project people, right? So we use our most expensive resources to do all the detail work. We need to start doing that highest and best use pyramid work in other departments. So. It's going to be an interesting shift in the market when people finally figure all that out. Yeah, like more EBITDA, right? And they're, 
And it's with all the, with the growth that's happening, it's easier in a larger organization, but now at these costs, you can start putting resources in a slightly smaller organization. They can, they can begin to work on this earlier. So if somebody was considering using a BPO or a, I'm not sure how we're going to refer to the moving forward, but you've got a multidisciplinary BPO at this point yep. is how I would describe exactly it. Right. What questions should a potential customer be asking their BPO organization or their potential BPO organization? What would be your red flags? If you were interviewing a potential company and you heard this, <laughs> you'd be like, I don't think this is going to work out. I would want to. I would want to understand with extreme clarity how they are set up as an organization in their country of origin. Are they, how, are they paying taxes? Are they paying their people well? What's their internal culture? Like I just, so one thing that was very important, the reason I got excited about DOXA and this partnership to launch MSB Talent is that over 500 employees at DOXA already very much a strong legal entity, doing the right thing by the Philippine government taxes, doing things that are culturally aligned with the Philippine people, 13th month pay, there's all these things, but they amortize all that to make it as simple. So, you know, you talk about tax, risk, compliance, all of that is completely handled. We see a lot of people who are doing outsourcing who don't have the, have not done that correctly. And then referring to people, and then I'd start looking at the contract and say, how are they referring to people? Are they correctly saying, our employee, your, you have, there's a compliance and risk mitigation piece. It just needs to be absolutely handled. And then, and then are, the other thing I look for is, are, are the people being compensated fairly? Like, there are organizations doing this or taking advantage of, of who they're outsourcing. And that's going to turn into low morale, and I don't want to be part of it. Low morale, high turnover, there's all kinds of problems that come with that. And I'm just not contributing to what I'm trying to build if I'm doing that incorrectly. I think that's excellent advice. So we talked a little bit about the opportunity in the market. What are some of the challenges you have conveying this new message to the market? Well, it's just like anything. How do you, where's the megaphone? Like we, it's a, we've had this scalable solution, super excited about it. Always a little bit of a challenge to find always the right person, the right seat immediately. It's we're still humans, right? We aren't making a widget. There are people, but the wealth of talent that's available there is exceedingly easier than here. I think the challenge is just getting the word out. Having there's a there are a couple of organizations who are doing, I believe, a good job of this in our vertical. There's a lot of people outside of our vertical who do this, but when you can focus on the IT services community, I think there's just one or two. And so how do you get out there and really get clarity? I think that like you'll, we do this all the time. I know you do this as well. How do you go to an MSP who has, you know, 60 MSPs around them in the same metro market and make their voice sound different than everybody else's? So I think that's just an obvious challenge for us as well. The short answer to that is you don't. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of weight put on we need to sound unique but in reality you just need to have really good timing yeah. you got to be there at the exact right place in the exact right time when the message is going to resonate with the person who's hearing it and if you're 
proactively managing your pipeline and nurturing things properly, you know when that time is most likely going to be because you've bothered to ask the important discovery questions about when they're going to think about something new. How do they choose vendors? When's the contract expiry date? How do they evaluate new employees? I'm not sure what the questions will be for your organization, but eventually there's going to be a turnover event and that will be the exact right time to have that conversation. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Most of it's most of it's luck, unfortunately. But <laughs> you get a lot luckier when you're working a lot harder. That's true. It's a whenever somebody puts out a need for somebody on Indeed. Whenever, what are the triggers that we can look for to say, okay, now's the time that maybe we could come and help. And for us, when we're coaching, consulting, and building out the accountability chart, sometimes they don't know they have a need. What they have is they have. Four people, they're paying a lot of money to do, and all of them are spending half their time doing this tactical work where I'm like, wait a minute, you can hire somebody to do that part. The highest and best use conversation. So sometimes it comes through that as well. It sounds like it's it's time for the market to start embracing it. I know that I personally have been railing against work from home since the minute we started, but I also worked in a very different industry with a very different group of people who couldn't necessarily work from home effectively. So I wasn't a big fan of the idea that we could work from anywhere, but now I'm older and wiser and less inclined to commute myself. So I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I did not like it when it all started. And now I'm, now I get it and it's different. And personally, I don't want to go into the office, right? I I enjoy working from my home office and it gives me balance that I enjoy in my life. So. Think about the so I'm thinking about starting another business right now. And my first consideration is okay, this has to be a business that can be managed from my house. Yeah. I'm not going to pay for another office ever. I'm not gonna buy a building, I'm not gonna lease a building. But then I like okay, moving forward in the future, it's like, all right, well, how do you manage security then? How do you manage there's so many considerations, but my first consideration is what suits me. And the lifestyle that I've become accustomed to since 2020. Absolutely. Maybe I'm going to put on shoes today. Maybe <laughs> I'm, not. <laughs> I'm not wearing shoes right now. Yes, I am wearing shoes. <laughs> but that's only because my dog is looking at me and uh, she knows <laughs> it's time. But uh, speaking of time, I think we're about at it. You've got a hard stop to deal with. And in the show notes today, for everybody who's watching or listening, there will be some information about how you can reach Jameson. We'll talk a little bit about ConnectStrat. We'll talk a little bit about MSP Talent and provide you with some resources to look into that if you're interested. Jameson, it's always a pleasure to catch up. Glad to hear things are going so well. And I will look forward to hear more a year from now. See Perfect. how you're winning. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Win with Richardson and Richardson. What's important now? We're so glad you've joined us and know you're one step closer to winning big in your business too. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to connect at rnr.consulting. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you'll easily know when new episodes are available. Until next time, you can win and we're here to help.